0: The following sermon is by Andy Lake, the senior pastor of Liberty Bible Church. This program, Grow in Liberty, is the preaching ministry of Liberty Bible Church in Vienna, Ohio. Liberty Bible Church places a priority on the Word of God over all else and has a desire to share truth with believers and non-believers alike. Our prayer is that as people tune in, they would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Join us as we grow together through the Word of God.
1: We'll open your Bibles, if you would, now to the book of Obadiah.
2: Obadiah, the minor prophet... The last 12 books of the Bible, of the Old
1: Testament It's where we're going to spend the majority of our study over the course of the next several months. We'll be making our way through Obadiah here, and then next month, by God's grace, we'll get into the book of Joel. And uh, some of you are probably looking, going, wait a minute, there's more than just Obadiah at the beginning, and we're going through this in a chronological format. So, Obadiah would have been the first to be prophesying, and so we're looking at at this through a timeline, not necessarily the order that is found in your Bible. A couple weeks ago, we started our study in Obadiah with an overview of the entire book, and then today we're going to begin by looking at the first nine verses. So, look with me if you would, Obadiah, the only chapter starting in verse number one. The vision of Obadiah. Thus saith the Lord God concerning Edom. We have heard a rumor from the Lord, and an ambassador is sent among the heathen. Arise ye, and let us rise up against her in battle. Behold, I have made thee small among the heathen. Thou art greatly despised. The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee, thou that dwellest in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, that saith in his heart, Who shall bring me down to the ground? Though thou exalteth thyself as as the eagle, and though thou set thy nest among the stars, thence will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. If these came to thee, if robbers by night, how art thou cut off, would they not have stolen till they had enough, if the grape gatherers came to thee, would they not have would they not leave some grapes? How are the things of Esau searched out? How are his hidden things sought up? all the men of thy confederacy have brought thee even to the border. The men that were at peace with thee have deceived thee and prevailed against thee. They that eat thy bread have laid a wound under thee. There is none understanding in him. Shall I not in that day, saith the Lord, even destroy the wise men out of Edom and understanding out of Mount Esau? And thy mighty men, O teman, shall be dismayed to the end that every one of the Mount of Esau may be cut off by slaughter. Father, bless now the reading that we have just read. And Father, so many times we come to the Word of God and we forget to look at the admonition that is there for us. So help us this morning to see just that, to see what it is that you would have us to be as a result of being in your Word today. It's in your Son's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Keeping your hand here in the book of Obadiah, if you would, please jump on over to the book of 1 Corinthians, the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians, chapter number 3. Looking into the book of Obadiah, we find that it uh, easily is sectioned into three main parts, the first being found here in the area that we've just read, the first nine verses being that of Edom's judgment uh, being announced. In the next couple uh, messages, we will deal a little bit more with some of the specifics, but for now, I want to look closely at the root cause uh, that is found uh, in the beginning here of the chapter, what really kind of opens us up to understand uh, the main problem. And I've kind of titled this, The Common Root of Every Fall. The Common Root of Every Fall. If you'd look here in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, uh, look at verse 16, if you would please. It says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seem to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. For the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. For it is written... He taketh the wise in their own craftiness, and again the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Therefore let no man glory in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or any things present or things to come, all are yours, and ye are Christ's, and Christ is God's. I, I, I wanted to take us over here to what the Apostle Paul is teaching in 1 Corinthians to try to help us draw a couple connections to some things here. Uh, going in, in, and we'll be bouncing around into, some, into several different places. If you want to stick a bookmark or something there in 1 Corinthians, we'll be back and forth a good bit this morning. But looking here in Obadiah, if you notice in verse number 3, we have the root of every fall. And it's common throughout Scripture, you will find any time there's destruction, any time there is a, a great uh, a fall, there is pride. Pride. Notice what it says in verse number 3. It says, the pride of thine heart hath deceived you. Now, Now, here's the amazing thing about pride is most people that struggle with pride have no idea that they struggle with pride. You know, we we joke about it or sometimes we recognize certain areas of our own personal life that maybe, well, you know, maybe I'm prideful in this area. But but generally speaking, we're pretty proud of our humility, aren't we? I'm a humble guy. Ask me, I'll let you know. So as we look at this and we see the pride that is being dealt with here, and, and, and believe, please don't, uh, uh, don't, Think for a moment that I believe that we are, any one of us, exempt from this issue. We're all having to deal with these things. Uh, think about the time that maybe you sat in a, in a church sermon and uh, you were listening to the subject matter and you thought to yourself, oh, this really isn't anything that I need, but I wish so-and-so was here, right? Right? Um, and and what we do, we do that uh, uh, thing where we, you know, the 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 invitation is being given. The pastor's asking some questions, and what do we do? Did he raise his hand? He better raise his hand. I know he needed to raise his hand on this one. How come he ain't raising his hand? Right? That's pride. That's pride. And we all struggle with different things. Whenever the word of God is presented to us, we each and every one of us should try to find a place that we can apply it. And so the moment that the invitation is given and we sit there and we think to ourselves, I really didn't need to hear this today, is pride. So every single one of us have the ability to focus in on what's, what's before us today. I'm going to look at Two major issues with pride, the first being the deceptive nature of pride, and the second being the idolatry within pride. One writer of old noted it this way. He says, where the river is deepest, water glides smoothest. Empty casks sound most, whereas well-filled vessels silence their sounds. As the shadow of the sun is largest when its beams are lowest, so are we least when we make ourselves greatest. I want to take a look at a few different things that we find in this topic of pride being that it is found wherever destruction takes place. Let's just look at a few examples this morning. Number one, the, uh, Lucifer, when he was cast down, it was the pride of his heart and the imaginations. He, he, he wanted to be like God, to receive worship like God, and that pride that was found in him got him cast down. Uh, not only him, but then Adam and Eve. Remember the serpent's uh, uh, temptation to him? You will be like God. Not only that, but God's Word lets us know very plainly what pride brings about. Proverbs 16, 18, pride, go before, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Brother Herb just read that. Proverbs 18, 12 says, before destruction, man's heart is haughty. Before honor is Humility. James four, uh, verse six, and 1 Peter five five uh, are both kind of referring back to Proverbs three thirty four, where it ta- tells us that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. This idea that pride can go along unchecked it, it really needs to be examined. Pride brings destruction; it's a guarantee. Pride brings a fall. It's a promise. Wherever God's word lets us know that something brings about destruction or something brings about a fall, we ought to run from it. So let's take a look this morning at several different things. First and foremost, the deceptiveness of pride. Now while the word of the Lord in Obadiah here concerns Edom, we must remember that God's word is given to us for our edification
2: back in first Corinthians again, look at First Corinthians chapter number ten, and in reference to
1: his uh, Israel's history being an example to us, it says in verse number eleven, notice this. Now, all these things happen to them for in samples or examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. We've got to come to the place where we realize that when we think we're doing okay, we are being set up for failure. Pride is a very deceptive force. Pride does not only deceive bad people, but you and I who are in this very room today, where it's not just something that is taking place on the outside of these walls, it is something that can very easily get in here and poison your life and my life and this church. Pride is a very destructive force. Let's look at some of these things that pride does. Pride exalts self. Back in Obadiah, note how God refers to them, how he addresses them in verse number three. The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee, thou that dwellest in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high. As saith in his heart, who shall bring me down to the ground? You, you see this, don't miss the sarcasm here. God is referring to Edom by their own self-made moniker. You see, they became known as the People who dwelled in the clefts of the rock—they became known as the people who were uh, who were uh, uh, impregnable, unbeatable. There was no way that you could get in. There was no way that you could uh, you could attack them. A couple of weeks ago, when we were going over the uh, uh, the whole book as a whole, we looked at uh, the city of Petra and and we noticed how it, some uh, historians say only uh, it only took about twelve men who could. Uh, Completely protect the entire city from thousands. They believed that they were completely taken care of, completely
2: comfortable. They referred to themselves as the eagles amongst a world full of turkeys. Thou that dwells in the clefts of the rock. They had carved out for themselves homes
1: in these mountainous caves, they had this elevated dwelling and compared themselves to being on a high perch. Don't miss the sarcasm in this. Notice what else it says here. Whose dwelling is high, who says,
2: who will bring me down? Hmm. They felt as though no one, no one could defeat them.
1: It's, it's like the story of the old bully, you know, the kids, they have a bully in school and, and uh, they, they pick on them and they pick on the different kids and the smaller kids, they pick and they pick and they pick and the whole time they're thinking to themselves, you know, <laughs> nobody can whoop me until finally four or five kids decide we're going to stand up to you, right? But it's that attitude, that haughty spirit of who will bring me down. And it wasn't just a matter of anybody that wanted to attack, but it was they could go out and they could abuse the the neighboring countries around them. They could go out and they could take and they could plunder and they could bring it back and it's like, what are you going to do about it? You can't can't repay me. Forget the whole Jacob and Esau thing. Jacob, he wanted to be that, he was that mama's boy, stayed in the tent. Esau, he was a crafty hunter. He's probably a military genius. If you jump a little bit further into the book of uh, Obadiah, you see uh, in verse number eight, it says, Shall I not in that day, saith the Lord, destroy the wise men out of Edom? They were known for their wisdom. They were known for their military prowess. They were known to be people who were very difficult to get the wool over. They were
2: shrewd, who will bring me down? Now, beloved, many today live the same lifestyle
1: that Eam lived then. They flatter their selves. They, they flatter maybe their looks or their physical strength, maybe their capacity. Uh, I mean, how many people that, uh, there's, there's nobody that can stand up to them. Nobody is smarter than they are. Nobody is stronger than they are. Nobody is wiser than they are. Nobody is easy. And here we are living in the lap of luxury in the good old U.S. of A. And does it surprise us when something ever happens on our soil? Take yourself back to 9-11. We were shocked and dismayed because in America we had come to the place where we felt that we were invincible and who can bring me
2: down? It blew us away. It shocked the world. We've got to be very careful here. Pride is a
1: sly, cunning fox that makes its way in and deceives even the wisest of us. They flatter their mental capacity, their social influence, political positioning, financial situations. They place themselves above and better than. I am above that. I am better than that. I think uh, a lot of people learned some valuable lessons here not too long ago with all of the, uh, what is it, it's like 40% that things have tanked.
2: A lot of people had their comfort. Financially speaking, they were on top. <laughs> Things are getting pulled out from under.
1: But not only does pride exalt oneself, it gives us confidence, false confidence in ourself. Makes me confident in me and myself. The mantra today is this independent, you can mentality. A lot of self made men and women today, and we have bought it hook, line, and sinker. Now, someone might ask, well, what's wrong with self confidence? The problem arises when we compare ourselves with others. This is where the problem arises, and this is what is so dangerous about pride. Do we not realize that pride completely takes all the focus on God out of the equation, and 100% of the focus is now on anything else? Pride is completely removed from God. I am stronger, I am smarter, I am wiser, I am more popular. And when we measure ourselves this way, we quickly become deceived into superiority and comfort. Psalm 118.8 says, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Proverbs 3.26 says, for the Lord will be your confidence. Proverbs 14.26 says, the fear of the Lord is strong confidence we believe so often that we are wise when really we're fools. I learned a long time ago, I heard a preacher preaching on if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And so I started praying, God, make me wise. God, I lack, make me wise. God, I lack, make me wise. And that's one of my daily prayers. God, I lack, give me wisdom. And you know what I find, and praise God I find this, that I don't become a wise man Now, now, we read that passage, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, and it abrieth not. The Bible verse does not say, if any man is unwise, let him ask of God, who will make him wise. The Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and God will give him wisdom. You know what I find? Is that God still keeps me stupid, but puts wise people around me
2: and opens my ears. I'm thankful for that. I am thankful that I'm not
1: the wisest guy, and you ought to be thankful I'm not the wisest guy on the block. If I was the wisest man around, boo, oh, y'all are in trouble.
2: <laughs> hey, you don't have to nod so hard there, John. Wisdom is from God, not from man, not from man.
1: Pride makes us believe that we are wise when we're really fools. Fools. I want you to notice next the idolatry of pride. Notice that where pride places all of its trust, it gives all of its credit. Look at verse. Um, look at verse four with me. Though thou exalteth thys- though thou exalt thyself. As the eagle, and though thou set thy nest among the stars, thence will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. If these came to thee, if robbers by night, how art thou cut off? Would they not have stolen till they had enough? If the grape gatherers came to thee, would they not have leave some grapes? How are the things of Esau searched out? How are his hidden things sought up? I I really want to kind of sit on this for just a minute here and note the way that Edom had made itself to be something great and something to be looked up to. And it says, who can bring me down? And God makes it very clear. Can you hide in the mountains from the one who made the mountains? Can you set your... Houses up on a cliff like an eagle to the one who made that cliff? Can you exalt yourself to the stars? Can you really think for just a moment that you can put yourself in, a, in the stars and you can get away from the one who placed the stars there
2: with his finger? You see what pride does? I'm okay, I'm good. I've got
1: all the money I need. I've got all the food I need. i got all the people I need. i got all the time I need. I, I'm good. I'm healthy. I'm
2: wealthy. And I'm wise. Right? And God has to remind us, um, I'm still here. Pride <laughs> ignores God. Human wisdom and strength really are limited. But it gives us this pride being that false sense of
1: security and the very thing that we put our trust in becomes our undoing. The reason for that, I want you to catch this, the reason for that is because we have taken our eyes off of the only one who can save the only one who can sustain, the only one who can protect, the only one who can keep. I was talking to an individual not too long ago about the idea of losing their salvation. And it was all dependent on what they did. Well, as long as I keep doing this and keep doing this and keep doing this, I can, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be okay. Okay. And they, they honestly didn't believe that a person could get saved and
2: never lose that salvation. <laughs> so you're the one that you're putting your confidence in.
1: You're the one that keeps your salvation. You're, really? No, 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 my friend. Those who are truly born again by the spirit of God had placed their trust in him and nothing else. And those who are truly born again by the spirit of God will maintain their trust in him and no one else. It is not me, it is not me that can earn the salvation. I can do nothing to gain it, I therefore I can do nothing to keep it. It is all him. And that's where my confidence is. The problem is, again, we start to compare ourselves to one another. So you're telling me that this person can say a prayer, get saved, and then
2: go live however they want? Nope. No. That's an impossibility. My
1: Bible teaches that. Old things are passed away. All things become new. They are a new creature, new heart, new desire, new wants. If they are living
2: a life of sin, they will be miserable until they come back. It's, it's, it's him. That's where my confidence rests. Look at the idolatry of pride here. Wisdom. Wisdom. And mental strength,
1: humanly speaking, they're limited at best. Humanly speaking. I've known some wonderfully brilliant men of God who had a hard time remembering their
2: name later in life. I've known some absolutely phenomenal leaders who've wasted away to nothing. our own personal wisdom, our own personal strength.
1: Think about this for just a moment. <laughs> if anything should humble us, it should be the weather. I mean, how many times do we make plans and we, we put all of our efforts into something and then as soon as we step outside, <sighs> and the meteorologist said that it was going to be a beautiful day. I want that job, Pastor, where I can go and I can, you know, be wrong 60% of the time and still get the paycheck. Uh, You know, the only people who are ever truly surprised about the weather are the ones reporting it. It's going to be a beautiful day today. Whoops, never mind. Breaking news. (laughs) Flash floods. But in all of our ability to predict
2: weather, You see how quickly Katrina put us to our knees. And we knew that some things were coming, but what can
1: man really do against forces of nature when the wind that God created blows across the world? the rain that God created, the tornadoes, the earthquakes, when the, when the earth starts to shake. You remember the, the Los Angeles earthquake? Some of you do. Some of you may not. It woke up the world. No matter how wise and strong we are, when this world shakes, we pay attention. Many times, strength and power that God has established becomes the focus rather than the God who brought that strength and power about. Never forget that nations rise and fall because of God. Look at at Proverbs.
2: Go to the book of Proverbs with me, Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14 really kind of
1: opens our eyes and should as a nation. Because just think of the history. We're getting right here in just a couple weeks, we're going to be celebrating the 4th of July. And think back to what made this country great. I'm sorry, but it was not the founding fathers. I'm sorry, but it was not democracy. Look at Proverbs uh, 14, verse 34. Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. You want to know what caused greatness to happen in this country over the years? It was righteousness. You want to know what's going to be the fall? Sin. And where are the people in our world? Where are the people in our country saying, "Wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. That's wrong. We need to stop that. That's sin. That's an affront to a thrice holy God." Where are the people in our world said putting up the red flag saying, "No, no, no, no. We shouldn't be acting that way. We shouldn't be doing those things." It's the people who have decided to embrace sin in their life and they have embraced it in such a way
2: that they are fooled into thinking they're wise. But they make no sense. No
1: sense. Look at our world and the the problems that we're facing today where
2: people are justifying ripping a child out of a mother. It makes no sense.
1: And then people talk about trying to, trying to negotiate. We just need to sit around and we need to talk with people. We need to negotiate uh, this, these terms. And these people who, the, the Taliban or ISIS or whatever, we just need to sit around and sing kumbaya with a cup of coffee.
2: You can't reason with unrighteousness. What part, I mean, even
1: nature bears some of this stuff out and we decide to embrace the, the, the foolishness that this world wants us to embrace. <laughs> and then we wonder why the word of God is rejected. And Jesus said this, don't be surprised when the world hates you. It hated me first. Don't tell me this world's okay.
2: It's racked with sin. He made it perfect, and sin messed it up. Pride so quickly and quietly
1: eases in. Remember back at
2: 9-11? Remember back at Katrina? How quickly the churches were filled. Where are they now? In the times of crisis, everybody's on their knee, right?
1: But pride takes a man off of his knees.
2: Humility puts him back down. Third, pride causes us to forget God.
1: We forget God and we place our confidence elsewhere. I need you to understand something. If I put my trust in human wisdom, if I put my trust in the smart people of our world, if I put my trust in the politicians of this world, if I put my trust in my finances, if I put my my trust in my health or my physical positioning, if I put my trust in anything else, it is idolatry and we become an
2: idolatrous nation. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 again, notice what it says in verse 6. Now these things were
1: examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters as some of them were as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in love, uh, fell in uh, one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us be tempted, uh, let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them for examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let anyone that thinks he stands
2: wake up, because he's about to fall. Paul says here, And you can continue down all the way down through.
1: But he lets us know here that when we think we stand, we're getting ready to fall. Notice what it says there about that taking heed lest he fall. Verse 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry.
2: (whistles) Thinking that I'm okay is idolatry.
1: Putting my confidence in anything that is not
2: God is idolatry. Then the wages, the wages of this pride. Hmm. Notice
1: how God answers the question of Edom's heart. Going back there into
2: uh, Obadiah. Obadiah. He says there in
1: verse 4, that Thou exalt thyself as the eagle, that thou set thy nest among the stars, thence will I bring thee down. James 4 and 1 Peter 5 lets us know that the proud are made low. Look at 1 Peter 5 with me. I don't want you to just think I made it up. I want you to see God's word for yourself.
2: 1 Peter chapter 5. And look at verse number 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves
1: unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you.
2: You notice what it's saying there in verse number 6? You better humble yourself. You know, as we grow up,
1: we have to learn humility, right? Sometimes that lesson is difficult.
2: Sometimes it takes somebody knocking us down a notch or two, right? it's
1: always better to humble yourself than it is to be humbled. But I love this, where he says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty
2: hand of God that He may exalt you. There's a lot of people trying to make sure everybody knows how great they are. And they're getting humbled.
1: I'd rather be one of those who hits my knees
2: regularly and my great God lifts me up. I don't want to be one of those that God resists.
1: You don't need my help. You don't want
2: me? You want to take the credit? All right, have it your way. I don't want to be resisted
1: by God. I want to find grace. And
2: the only place you find grace is on your knees. Or flat on your face. Pride is rooted
1: in the heart and is so deceptive that it is often hidden
2: from the proud themselves. Hmm. You look there in verse 3 of Obadiah, the pride of your heart.
1: What shows up on the outside is only an example of what's on the inside. And I want us to really understand something, that there are many who have given the appearance of outward niceness, an all-shucks kind of an attitude, but walk daily with the idea that nothing can happen to them. They're healthy, they're wealthy, everything's going fine. They show up week after week, and they put their smile on, and, oh, God love you, oh, God bless you, all things. But
2: the whole time, pride is in their mind because it's in their heart this is why the bible says to humble yourself
1: so you might be thinking well pastor does that mean that i should walk through this life just completely insecure no no but if your confidence is found in anything other than Jesus Christ, it's on faulty ground. But if you find confidence and you're able to face this world because he has overcome this world, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, if you're able to face the problems and the woes, I'm not worried about my financial situation tomorrow. I'm not worried about what's going to happen to my health tomorrow. I know that God can take everything away from me, and I'm still going to be his. I know in whom I believe it, and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep
2: that which I've committed to him against that day. That's where my confidence is. If your confidence is in anything else, it'll be shaken. The only thing that can't be shaken is the unshakable God. So how do we apply this today?
1: How do we apply this to to you, to me, to ourselves?
2: First off, you need to ask yourself, where is your confidence found? Are you confident in your political position?
1: Are you confident in your financial position? Are you confident in the wisdom that you have to be able to not associate yourself with the teachings of that archaic book? Where's your confidence found? Is your confidence found in the fact that you're in the good old US of A and we have
2: military might? Is your confidence found in your banknote? A lot of
1: people's confidence is being shaken right now because people are placing their confidence in the wrong things. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I wholly lean on Jesus' name. Are you wholly leaning on his name? Second, ask yourself, have you forgotten God. Now you might be automatically shaking your head, Nope, nope, I've not forgotten God. I'm not saying that you have no memory of God. Let me ask you this are you faster to turn on Fox News or open your Bible in the morning? You've forgotten God. You faster to check your Facebook status or to hear what the Word of God has to say, you've forgotten God. You faster to tweet that YouTube video, you've forgotten God. Are you faster to call up your friends and ask them for advice or to find out what thus saith the Lord? You've forgotten God. Are you faster to call up your buddies and talk things out than you are to spend time in prayer? You've forgotten God. Pride says I can handle this. Pride says I've got it under control. Pride says I can find the
2: answer myself. Humility says... I can't do this without him. Do you check and listen more to who or to what you believe? Whoever you're listening to more is who your confidence is in. And third, have you turned a deaf ear to what you do not want to hear?
1: Hmm. When God's word is plain, do you try to find a way around it? That's basically what it's saying. In Obadiah, he says in verse 8, Shall I not in that day, saith the Lord, even destroy the wise men out of Edom, and understanding out of Mount Esau? And the mighty men, O teman, shall be dismayed to the end that every one of the Mount of Esau may be cut off by slaughter. Notice what it says right before that, though. There is no understanding in him.
2: Let me translate that to you in the hillbilly vernacular. He ain't got no clue. He just doesn't get it. When God's word is plain,
1: do you try to twist it to fit what you want? When God's word says, thou shalt and thou shalt not, do you turn a deaf ear and kind of weed your way through? You've set yourself up
2: as an idol, and your confidence is not in God. Do you follow sound biblical advice with the statement, yeah, but,
1: pastor, what do you think about? Pastor, what's your position on? Pastor, what is your, that book's my position. You want to know where I stand politically? You want to know where I stand economically? You want to know where I stand in, 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 in the areas of traditional life, marriage, the protection of the unborn. You want to know where I stand? Read your Bible. You don't have to ask
2: me. It's where I stand. Yeah, but
1: you've just set yourself up to be God. And the pride of your heart is deceiving you. Pride neglects God and makes our own mind to be superior, causes our own ideas to seem better, and only, only when we truly see God for who he is and how wonderful he is, how perfect he is, how holy he is, only then will we see ourselves rightly. And we're gonna continue to live deceived by pride
2: until we see him right until then we'll also be resisted by God because he resists the proud but gives grace to the humble
1: I know it's Father's Day and I know I'm supposed
2: to give a Father's Day message I can think of nothing better for a father than to humble himself under the mighty hand of God.
1: <laughs> I don't want my kids to see a fun dad. I don't want my kids remember the, just the camping trips. I don't want my kids to think about their dad was strong. I don't want my kids to remember only the days that he bounced them on their knee. What I want my kids to remember when I'm dead and gone one day, when I shuffle
2: off this mortal coil, what I want them to remember was my dad was a humbled man before God.
1: My dad took me to baseball games. My dad took me to hockey games. My dad played chess with me. That's wonderful. But do they see
2: Christ? If my kids remember nothing else, let them remember that I relied on him for everything. Let that be what they remember. Moms, you too. You too. Father, I'm praying this morning for those who are here this morning,
1: not truly born again by the Spirit of God. Perhaps those who are watching online who are not truly born again by the Spirit of God. Father, I'd be a fool to think that everyone who listened was born again. And so, Father, what I'm asking, Lord, is that you would do what only you can, and that's to break through the cold ice of their heart, to see their need of a Savior.
2: Father, that they would be humbled this morning, so that you can lift them up. Father, for the
1: one who is born again by the Spirit of God, but they've been making themselves out to be the one who's in charge. They've been guilty of idolatry. I pray, Lord, that you would awaken in them the reality of their pride. Father, many of us, struggle in this area. And so, Father, it takes a daily crawling back to you, recognizing our need of you. So, Father, I'm asking that you would do a mighty work into the hearts and the lives of everyone here. That, Father, you would be so evident to them and reign so supremely God, they could do nothing but hit their knees and cry out to you. I pray this, Father, asking you to do great things in our lives and in our hearts. I'm praying it in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen.
0: You have been listening to Andy Lake. Bible teacher with Grow in Liberty and pastor of Liberty Bible Church. We pray that you were challenged today and encourage you to share this message with your friends and family. If you were motivated in some way to grow in your walk with Christ, please drop us a line and reference the title of today's message. You can access us online at growinliberty.org Email us at together at growinliberty.org Or send us a letter to Liberty Bible Church, 2111 Sodom Hutchings Road, Vienna, Ohio, 44473. If you would like to support Grow in Liberty financially, you may also do that at growinliberty.org. Thank you so much for joining us today.